Blog Talk Radio. You're a mystical man. Lead us through sacred land. In the magic, the magic of life. You're a shaman that leads all the people to Open to receive the magic Good morning, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me on this early Sunday morning to just take a few minutes and focus on ourselves. Go within or go without. That is the name of the show. I welcome you. I am your host, Daniel Gutierrez, and we're going to be talking today about in- inclusive compassion. And why it's essential for healthy relationships. You know, think about compassion. It's something that I I talk about quite a bit. And one of the things, one of the books that sticks out to me that I read many years ago is written by Sherry Huber. And she writes in her book about compassion. What is true compassion? You know, compassion is not the trophy Oh, true joy, excuse me, true joy is not the trophy wife, trophy husband, trophy car, trophy house, whatever, you just name it, you just fill in the blank, that that true joy is compassion turned inward, the end of struggle, and the end of competition. Wow. Today I have a wonderful guest, and we're going to talk about her version of compassion, inclusive compassion, why it's important for us to, to know about it, and I'm so excited about meeting her right now on radio, and then later on in person, in the heat. (laughs) As a relationship consultant, speaker, and author, Dr. Roberta Shaler, the relationship help doctor, boy, don't we all need some of that, provides urgent and ongoing care for individuals, couples, companies, and even the United States Marines. She works with the partners, exes, and that's exes, comma, I put it all together on adult children, and co-workers of chronically difficult people. She calls them hijackles. That's a new term. And she defines them as people who hijack relationships for their own purposes while relentless scavenging them for power, status, and control. Boy, we all have those people in our lives. Dr. Shaler offers the insight, strategies, and support you need to reclaim hope and confidence in your sanity when dealing with, with the constant uncertainties and jaw-dropping behaviors of hijackers in your life at home and at work. She's the author, listen to this, of 16 books, not one, not two, but 16, including the new ebook series, Escaping the Hijackal Trap, The Definitive Guide to Dealing with Difficult People. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shaler. How are you today? Oh, thank you, Daniel. I am well and happy to be here talking with you. I've looked forward to this. Thank you. Me too. Let's just jump right in. I, you know, I, compassion is 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 something that that I really resonate with a lot. And and you know, it's one thing to have compassion for self, but then when you bring someone into the table, bring someone into the into the mix, it creates a, just a whole different dynamic. So I want to just jump in and, and ask, what's the difference between what we think of as compassion and what you call inclusive compassion? 
Well, I think you hit it, Daniel. We're we're taught in our culture that, oh, you should put other people first and, oh, give to those in trouble and pay attention to those <laughs> in need and, and, you know, give, give, give. In fact, I have a personal pet peeve, and, and I have two of them, but I'll tell you about one of them. <laughs> and that is that somewhere in our unthinkingness as a society, we have adopted a phrase that I think is destructive, and that phrase is give until it hurts. Mm. Right? And so the difference between what we think of as compassion, which is empathy and sympathy for those in misfortune, uh, taking care of others who can't take care of themselves, all of that can get very confused with giving until it hurts, which is supposed to make you into that quote-unquote good person. <laughs> Inclusive compassion for me is the balance created when you have compassion for yourself at the same time as you have compassion for others and the globe. Mm. That there is a balance struck and that you understand that you must have that balance, otherwise you're going to burn out. Mm. You know, it reminds me uh what you were saying a minute ago about, you know, love, and, uh, love until it hurts. I mean, there's so many songs about that, right? You know, it, it's almost ingrained in our in our deep DNA. And one of the things that, that I've taught as I've spoken around the world is that, you know, we, we have this notion that that, that the universe, the creator, God, whatever you choose to call it, loves the poor. And and that to to be poor is to be humble, to be poor is to be noble. And and I have a I have a wake up call for you guys. Last time I checked, God loves the rich too. <laughs> you know. It's 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 not just the poor here, you know? And and, and it kind of you know, speaks to what you're saying here about include I love that inclusive compassion. In other words, you gotta be part of the of the solution, not the problem, right? Exactly, and if you don't include yourself in it, you'll be in resentment, and who mm. can give from a pool of resentment? Because we all know, Daniel, that's what happens. You know, you start, you've got energy, you go to take care of somebody who's ill or whatever, which I did, you know, I just spent eight days taking care of a friend, and, you know, that's great. I said, I will do that for eight days, and I could do that for eight days. But if at any time during that time I felt resentment, I would have had to have done something about it. I would have had to have looked deeply into myself and find out where that was coming from, or I may have to have taken a break and called in another one of her friends for a few hours. But I, you have to take care of the caregiver. Um, I used to do workshops on overcoming compassion fatigue, and I think that mm. we have a we have a predilection to think it's noble, to use your word, to live in compassion fatigue. Somehow that wins you points in heaven or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the funny thing about that is is that you, you won't know till you get there, so you might want to change what you're doing. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about what you just said, and I don't know where I heard this. It's not mine. But I heard someone say once that com true compassion is being able to sit with someone, love them unconditionally without taking on their stuff, mm -hmm. and and creating your own. You're saying, you know, if you're giving from that space of, of resentment, you're not giving at all. As a matter of fact, you're taking, right? So 
Why is this a fundamental shift for people? Well, I think it's fundamental because we lose the idea that is so key to healthy living, healthy spiritual living, healthy living of all kinds, and that is the idea of balance. Like when Mm. we get out of balance, we don't have the gift to give. And any time that we are giving a gift we don't already have within us, we're going to have resentment. So it's a fundamental shift, in my opinion, to actually accord yourself the calibration of, am I still in balance? Can I do this from a balanced place? Am I including myself in the compassion? Is it all right for me to say, I'm too tired, or I don't have anything left? Or do I just sort of pick up the psychic energy and gut it through and and think that that's somehow going to be a great gift? Well, it may be, you know, sometimes we have to do that. We're the only person who can do it, and absolutely, I've done that too. I know you know what? my parents with their death at home. I know what you, it's like to not have someone else. You said something that, that I want people to listen to again. You said, gut it through. If the, it, You know, that is the worst thing a person can do, bite their tongue, you know, stick it out. You know, when is love supposed to be that difficult? You know, you know, know, yeah, go ahead. I think, you know, there are times when you have to gut it through in your compassion or your love. Like I was saying, I'm an only child. There was, although I hired people, there was really nobody but me who could give that special gift as my parents went through their final journeys with cancer. So there was some gutting it through. Like, I'm tired. I had three children to raise. I had a full-time job. You know, (laughs) I had to gut it through. And there are those times in our lives when no one else can do that. But they're very, very rare. And sometimes we think they're not rare. We think that we Hmm. are indispensable. And I love this image. If you want to know how indispensable you are in the world, Put your finger in a glass of water, take it out, and see what kind of a dent it left. Mm, no. Wow. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> we, wow. We, we are indispensable in the sense that we bring our energy and it is unique and that's, that's our gift to the world. But remember, too, that you're, not, you're, you're only one person. And if you're doing something that calls for a lot of compassion and deeply, deeply challenges your energy or your internal resources, get help. You know, you don't have to be the hero of the day. The martyr. Mm-hmm. Get help. I like that. Enlist, yeah. enroll, invite people to come and say, carry this with me. It'll be lighter for all of us. You know, I was just sharing with you before the show started that I'm heading out for my three-week uh, tour of the Andes through the Sacred Valley and up to Machu Picchu and Bolivia. I do that to do exactly what you're saying about recharging. Uh, I The work that I do, the work that we do, requires a lot of us. And if if I don't take the time to go recharge, then I don't have anything to give. And And then... What you were saying earlier becomes very, very evident, and that is that I become resentful. Like, why do I have to do this? Why am I the Why am I the one? Instead of coming from really true love and true respect and true compassion, 
where it's because, like you said, you you just helped a, a friend for eight days because you could. You your 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 emotional bank account was full. You can do that, right? right? And I, yeah, and I didn't have to take out my credit card to do it. And I mean that my emotional <laughs> right. credit card. Yeah. Right? Because that's what people do. You know, you have this wonderful resource. You're you're giving it, and all of a sudden you you don't feel so great about it. So the resentment comes because you're supposed to take out your emotional credit card and charge that up, and then there's interest on that, and pretty mm. soon there's, you know, going on inside mm. you. And now there's no love. There's no compassion. Everybody around you can feel it. And yet we all jump into the pool and say, oh, that's wonderful. You're doing good work. You're killing yourself, but you're doing good work, <laughs> you know. Now, on what planet is it a good idea to kill yourself so that you you have to take six months off or develop some kind of illness? Chronic illness, yeah. To stop, right? Because you didn't keep yourself in balance emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. It, it doesn't make sense. So inclusive compassion says include yourself in the equation. You know, be part, know that you can, you can uh, invite others to be part of that. And we, we live in a funny world that, you know, says, you know, uh, well, if not you, who? You know, therefore take the responsibility. Yeah, take the responsibility, but take it responsibly. Get some help. Get in the yeah, pool use, with other people. <laughs> use, the, use the first part of ability, responsibility. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you wrote a book. Fun, you you wrote a book called Soul Solitude. Um, tell us about that. What what's the book about, and how does the concepts in the book, folks? And real quick, while well, before we jump into the book, uh, go to her website and follow along with us at www.forrelationshiphelp.com. Tell us about your book. Sure. I wrote Soul Solitude with my partner, Charles Anderson, in uh, 2007. And the reason for the book is that I have studied meditation and all kinds of spiritual things in many places in the world, as you have. And there's always a technique. There's always put your eyes here, put your hands here, put your fingers here, have your legs there, listen to music, don't listen to music, all over. And what I've learned, Danielle, is that that's not what it's about. And, in fact, my daughter, who is a book editor, she was editing this book, and when I gave it to her to edit, I didn't hear from her for eight days, and I thought, what's wrong? And so I called her and I said, you know, what are you thinking? She said, I'm angry. I said, why are you angry? She said, page 111. I said, what's on page 111? <laughs> so I, I opened it, and it said, uh, there is no drama. There is no technique. Simply sit, fall silent, and listen. And I said, so what made you so angry? She said, you blew my cover. I don't have any reason why I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Soul Solitude is is about taking the time. In fact, the subtitle is Taking Time for Our Souls to Catch Up. It's encouraging people and inviting people to sit quietly with themselves in a meaningful way that does not have any drama in it. Simply sit, 
fall silent and listen. And there's lots of things in there that will help people understand. It starts by talking about two of the many predicaments that we find ourselves in in life and, and why we should give those up. One of them is living up to the expectations of other people, and the, another is our addiction to drama. Mm. So if either of those things resonate with you, this is the book for you, and then it will tell you how to use soul solitude in order to give up living to the expectations of others and being addicted to drama. And we'll go on to help you develop more fully the right spiritual practices for you. How, Dr. Shaler, how do they get a copy of this book? This, this book sounds amazing, and I think, you know, you said something a minute ago that I think everyone is uh, guilty of, and that is um, drama, drama kings and queens. We're, we're addicted to the drama. Uh, the hardest thing I found in my life was when there was no drama, not to create it, because uh, that's all yeah. I knew. That's all I knew. Sure. I didn't know. I knew fight or flight. I didn't know peace and tranquility. Not like I know it today. I don't have to create drama anymore. But for the majority of my life, I did. And I think for the majority of people, how do they find your book? You can get it on Amazon, uh, or you can go to soulsolitude.com. In about a week or ten days, it will also be available uh, for a download on Kindle. Um, so it's available in lots of ways. Just go to Amazon, which is where you can find all my books. Tell us about your work. How can people find you if they're looking, you know, needing some help with their relationships? Tell us about what you do. What I do is I work very uh, carefully and intuitively and thoughtfully. I have a doctorate in psychology, so I've got some training there, too, um, to help people understand what it is that's going on when you're in a crazy-making relationship. And the reason I have that particular focus, Daniel, is because people who are in crazy-making relationships with people that I have the traits that I call hijackals, they call you from the herd and marginalize you to make you second-guess yourself and question your sanity on a regular basis. And I want people to know that those are predictable patterns that you can find yourself in that situation and you can get out of that situation. And you don't always have to leave the relationship. What you have to leave behind are the ways that you yourself are perceiving and processing what's going on in your relationship and get new skills and strategies. You know, uh, that's amazing what you just said about the, the uh, you call them hijackals, but hijackals are also part of the hyena family, and that's what they do. They take, the way that they get their prey is they they separate them from the herd so they're weak. Right. And then they, they prey right. on them and they kill them. I mean, I, I never really even thought that's about it. It's like, pow, wow. You know, and, and, and I think a lot of people, before they know it, wake up and they're, they're separated and they don't know what to do anymore. Well, they feel marginalized. You know, they're like, it must be me. Like, am I, should I try harder? Should I do more? Mm. Am I a human being? Do I believe what the hijackal is saying about me? Because if you're with a hijackal, you're always going to be wrong. A hijackal cannot be wrong, so that means you are going to be wrong. You are going to be blamed for everything, and pretty soon you, you may get into the habit of believing the press they're giving you about you, 
and then you're in a downward spiral. So I'm here to help you stop spiraling and uh, even out, get your strength back, take your power back, and begin to behave differently in the relationship to see what that does. If change cannot be possible to come to something healthy in the relationship, then I help people make the decision to move on. You know, and and I think you said something that's very key, and that is do, do what you can to make it work. The grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. However, there does come a point where it's just not healthy, you know, and, and you want to move on. You you also deal with or help people with chronically difficult people, which I'm, everybody knows somebody who's difficult. How do How does inclusive compassion apply there? Well, that's a great question because you you would really, really wonder. But because I work with chronically difficult, the partners, the exes, the adult children, and the coworkers of chronically difficult people, we have to recognize that those chronically difficult people aren't doing it to you, much as it seems that they are and it feels like they are, from an intentional place. They're doing it because that's the only way they know to survive. So we have to have some compassion for them, but we also have to learn not to condone or enable the hijackal behaviors. And that's where the real lessons are, Daniel, is, okay, you know, I have compassion for the fact this person doesn't has a very fragile ego, therefore they're always living with offense and defense, they're always hypervigilant, they're always on guard, I will always be wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> however... I can have compassion for that terrible place for them to live, but to be in a healthy relationship with myself and with them, I cannot condone or enable that behavior, and that's what I teach people, how Mm. not to condone and enable it. And get out if it doesn't work. Yes, but take all the juice out of it you can first, and here's why I say that, Daniel. When you when you finally get some help in your relationship, in this situation, you have to come to grips with you first because for some reason in your background, uh, for me, I was raised by a hijackal mother and an extreme passive-aggressive father. So I was raised to be what I call hijackal bait. I was just <laughs> sitting there waiting for the next hijackal to come along because I had been normalized. That's normal, right? Mm. And so I've taken all my life experience and put it into this work as well. It's not an academic thing for me alone. I had to work all this stuff through, and that's why I can be effective helping people. I was an only child in that situation. That's very, very, very difficult. And you can get completely destroyed by that. So if you happen to find yourself in this situation, we have to look to see where did you become hijackal bait? And then we have to really increase your ability, what I call your hadar, your hijackal radar, to understand, oh, there's the pattern. There's the pattern. It's a pattern, not a person. And when you start seeing those patterns, then you can start using the skills that I'll help people with to respond to those patterns. And then you have to change. And when you change, there's a possibility the relationship will change. And if the relationship will not change, then you know that you have to make a decision to leave because you're being affected. And 
and even more important, your children are being affected. And mm, that's a big one. You know, in the ultimate, I am a voice for the children of hijackals. You know, even though that's not who I work with, I work with the adult children of hijackals. But um, that we have to be a voice for them because you, it, the number of hijackals in our world is is uh, increasing. And we have we have to know this stuff, Daniel. Mm. We have to know it, whether we're living it or someone we know is living it. We have to learn this so that we can be helpful and compassionate and useful in this situation. Dr. Shane, let me ask you something. So, so if, if people that are listening today and they're really resonating with what you're saying, could you, or maybe they, they don't know, the question mark has been raised, but they really don't know, could you give us a couple signs where that they might be able to identify that says, hey, you're being hijack- hijackled here? <laughs> yes. First one I already mentioned, they have to win every moment. So that means that if I have to say uh, black is white right now to win, I will say that. If 20 minutes from now I say black is red, because that's what I need to do to win, I will say that. And if you say to me, but you said black is white 20 minutes ago, I will deny it. (laughs) Mm. Okay, we see that right now in our political arena over and over and over. Oh, gosh, don't go there. (laughs) (laughs) This is an evergreen show. We don't want to go there. Exactly. We have to watch that if you have somebody who is so desperate to be right, that they have to win in every moment, you are with a hijackal. That's number one. If you're also with somebody who is changing their mind in this way, you are with a hijackal. And this way is, you are the most wonderful man who ever came into my life. I can't believe my luck. I am so thrilled. And 20 minutes later, you do something that didn't make her happy, and she said, I don't know why I bothered. You are the scum of the earth. It is the most (laughs) terrible thing to be with you. Mm. Now, that's what we call all or nothing or black and white thinking. There's no gray area. There's nowhere in between. You're either the best thing since sliced bread or you're the worst thing that hit the planet. There's nowhere Mm. in between, right? So there's two ways uh, that you can also know. I'll give you one third one. They constantly keep you in uncertainty. Mm. They'll never be nailed down. They will never keep their promises. They will never agree that they said they would do something. (laughs) They keep you in uncertainty all the time. And another little hint for number four is what you said in in the introduction. Incredulity. If you are with somebody that you regularly go, I don't believe you said that. I mean, who talks like that? <laughs> who would do a thing like that? If you're, if you're, that person is person you're seeing over and over again is that jaw-dropping incredulity. You're probably with a hijackal. Hmm. Well, that it's amazing that our thirty minutes is already up today, folks. Go get her book, um, Soul Solitude. You can go to Amazon. It'll be on Kindle here soon. I can't wait. That's the way I read. Um, go to www.forrelationship.com. 
www.mentalhealthhelp.com. Look her up. Give her a call. Get on her um, email list so you can find out what she's up to. Any final words, uh, Dr. Shaler, before we leave? I just want to encourage people that you deserve to take up space and draw breath and be assertive. That means you need to know what you think, what you feel, what you need, and what you want, and be willing to express it without ever talking about anybody else. Mm, That was beautiful. Thank you so very much for that, and thank you for being part of our show today. We really have appreciated it, and thank you for your wisdom. It's been beautiful. Well, folks, next week, you got to join us. We're going to have Valerie Heath, who is the founder, one of the co-founders of Heaven on Earth. It is an organization that helps veterans in Los Angeles. I am proud to be their keynote speaker. Marianne Williamson was their keynote speaker last year at their fundraising event on November 5th. So join us next week as we discuss what she is doing. Have a beautiful and blessed Sunday. Until next week. Open to receive the magic.